You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. I sent out the call for you to let me know what the businesses you are using as everyone is trying to hunker down and and bend the curve and all the buzzwords around COVID-19 and the coronavirus. And I hope you are staying safe with your families. But I wanted to shout out some of the businesses that I got notes from you. Tomato Pies in Madison. Pat, who's a, a frequent listener of the show, sent that in. And then if you're in Dane County and you're traveling through scenic Oregon, Wisconsin, check out Oregon Frozen Yogurt. Uh, Randy and Tina do a great job there, and they are listeners to Locked On Packers. Let us help these local businesses, restaurants. They're the ones that are that are really getting hit hardest by all of this, economically speaking. Uh, and it's just something that the, these restaurants, these these small businesses are the lifeblood for so many communities and so many families. And I, I just I w- am hopeful that everyone who is a part of the Locked On Packers community, the Packer fan community, can help these small businesses. It is what being a Packers fan, I think, is all about. It's what being a Midwesterner or Wisconsinite, all of those things, is all about. Okay, I promise we will talk a ton of free agency and Packers today. Even though the Packers did not make a signing as of our recording here Tuesday night, an absolute ton to get to. We're not going to break them down because there's really not much to say, but the the exclusive rights free agents, guys like Jake Kumro, Tyler Lancaster, Shannon Sullivan, Alan Lazard, you can tender them. They come back on the minimum. It is a no-brainer to do this unless someone is just like absolutely god-awful. The Packers are getting guys like Jake Kumro, Lancaster, Lazard on sweetheart deals. So these are these are no-brainer decisions for the Packers. All of those guys are going to be back in 2020. And guys like Alan Lazard could play a big role in this offense moving forward. But big news in the free agency world around former Packers on Tuesday. The three big-name outgoing free agents for the Packers all agreed to terms on Tuesday. Remember, the deals are not done because these are free agents, and technically free agency has not started until Wednesday. So these are agreed in principle. Brian Bulaga to the Chargers, a three-year $30 million deal. Blake Martinez to the Giants, a three-year $30 million deal. Kyler Fackrell to the Giants as well, a one-year $4.6 million deal. The first two are expected. They were the destinations that we had talked about on this show, the likely suitors. I talked about David Gettleman and the, and the connection to Blake Martinez. It is not a stretch to say there was not a better fit, ideologically speaking, 
than Dave Gettleman and Blake Martinez. Blake is a downhill, run-stuffing linebacker, and that's what he's going to be asked to do for the Giants. Three years, $30 million is a lot. And when you compare it to what the Packers gave to Christian Kirksey, Blake Martinez is going to earn almost as much in terms of base salary, or at least the, the average base salary, all in, all the guaranteed money, everything, in 2020 than Christian Kirksey is on his whole deal. And it is not at all clear, Blake Martinez, if Christian Kirksey is healthy, is a better player. So from a value standpoint, I mentioned this on Twitter, this Kirksey deal is low risk, high reward, because if you get the player that he could have been last two years had he been healthy, if you get the guy he was in 2017 or in flashes in 2018 and early 2019, he is well worth the deal. And if he is hurt again or anything like that, you didn't pay much to get him and you're still going to have the opportunity in the draft to pick someone, to find a long-term answer here. So he can play well above this contract and it's still not going to cost the Packers a ton of money. The same is true for the exchange the Packers made at offensive tackle. It's easy to look at this and say, oh, Brian Balaga, $10 million a year. That's the number we mentioned all the time on this show. That is the number that I think people expected to be the floor for him. I expected him to get 11, 12 plus. When you look at the deals other linemen were getting, when George Fant, who really is a swing tackle, or Big V in Philly going to Detroit is getting these, these big deals, these $10 million a year deals, and Brian Bulaga, who is actually a good player, he's actually a good player is getting that same amount of money. Now, I know injuries played a role in that, and age plays a role in that, but this is a, a deal that is really smart for the Chargers. They need the offensive line help. They didn't get Tom Brady. Phillip Rivers is now going to be the Indianapolis Colt quarterback. Tom Brady is going to Tampa Bay, so the Chargers have Tyrod Taylor. They have the option to get someone like Justin Herbert in the draft. Maybe Tua, they trade up for someone like that. Maybe they like Jordan Love and they trade back for, for a player of, of that caliber. You need offensive line help, and this is the move that they made to do that. Could the Packers have done the same deal? That's a reasonable question to be asking in this moment, and I think the answer is yes. What they decided was that Rick Wagner is a value that they couldn't pass up, doesn't count against your comp pick computations, and is going to make in two seasons, if he plays out the whole deal, a little bit more, a hair more than Brian Bulaga is going to make in 2020. And for the years preceding 2019, if you look at 2016, 2017, and 2018, Rick Wagner was as good a player as Brian Bulaga. And that's not, that's not hyperbole. He was that good. He went to the Lions on a top-of-market right tackle deal. He was one of the best right tackles in football when he went to Detroit and played well early in his career in Detroit. Had some injury issues, but as I mentioned on Twitter, when you look at the last four years, Rick Wagner has actually played more games than Brian Bulaga. So if you're the Packers, you're saying, okay, we're getting a much cheaper player who could approximate what you're getting from Bulaga, or let's say 80% of what you're getting from Bulaga for less than half the cost. That seems like a smart 
value proposition, and then you can go in the draft and add a first-round tackle, a second-round tackle, a third-round tackle as your guy of the future. This is These are stopgap solutions for the Packers, but you're getting excellent value for them. And then this Kyler Fackrell deal with the Giants, you're now in a position, if you're the Packers, to say there, there is a need here at backup edge. You need a new outside linebacker to play opposite Rashawn Gary on that second team. And could someone like Leonard Floyd, who the Bears cut, and we're going to talk about that deal a little bit later in the show, are someone like that an option? Could they draft someone, you know, higher than maybe is being projected right now to be that fourth guy? Because Mike Pettin loves to use those multiple outside linebacker looks. The other thing about all of these signings is the Brian Bulaga deal, according to Nick Cordy from Over the Cap, that's probably going to net the Packers a fourth-round comp pick next year. Blake Martinez is probably going to net the Packers a fourth-round comp pick next year, and the Kyler Fackrell deal is a potential sixth-round pick. And so this is in contradistinction to what the Packers have done technically in the free agent market, which is nothing. And that means that they don't have anything to offset the incoming compensation that they're going to get with these compensatory picks. So this is a potential windfall for the Packers draft next year. We do have to talk, though, quickly about potential Packers targets that they didn't they didn't pull the trigger on. Corey Littleton and Joe Schobert each signed deals on Tuesday. Corey Littleton signed a three-year, $36 million deal with the Raiders to go with Nick Kwiatkowski. And Joe Schobert signed a five-year, $53 million deal, almost $54 million, to go play for the Jaguars. And that's a lot of money. And I know some Packer fans are disappointed that they didn't go after Corey Littleton harder. But Corey Littleton is going to be expensive, almost $12 million a year. And, and it could be 12 uh, if he if he hits the, the incentives. It's 11.75 technically in base salary, which means the rest is incentives and, and game bonuses and things of that nature. Joe Schobert gets almost as much. And... That part of it floored me. That that there is no way Green Bay, in my mind, would have done a deal like that. Now I think twelve million for Corey Littleton is a palatable deal. What they decided was it made more sense to go the the lower money, higher upside in terms of cost benefit than Corey Littleton, who has to be the best version of himself to play to that contract. I think it's also an insight in how the Packers view the inside linebacker position. They fortified coverage in year one. They fortified pass rush in year two. Do they care about stopping the run as much? Do they care about linebacker play as much? Do they need someone to go out and be that sort of Luke Keekly coverage maven? I don't think they do. And that informs all of this when it comes to roster making, when it comes to building a roster. The, the way you want to play and the things that you emphasize are all part of how you put together a roster. So if the Packers don't value the linebacker position as much because they don't ask it to do very much, and there have been a lot of questions, do the Packers only play a certain way with their linebackers because they have limited players, or is it really the other way around? Is it really intention informing outcome here? And I think over the last few years with what we've seen from Mike Pettin, we have a, a more definitive answer that they just don't care as much about the position. They don't prioritize it. And as a result, they're much more comfortable going the bargain route, especially in a case like Kirksey, who if he plays 16 games this year 
and plays like we've seen him play in the past, he is going to vastly outperform this contract. There were also some big moves around the NFC North that we didn't get to yesterday. Some of them happened on Tuesday, so we need to talk about them. The biggest one is the Stephon Diggs deal. The Bills give up a first and a bunch of day three picks to get Stephon Diggs. That is earth-shattering in the NFC North. In a year where the Vikings are already down Everson Griffin, who they say they're going to try and bring back but hasn't been brought back. They lost Trey Waynes, who signed a huge deal with the Bengals on Tuesday. They're already down Limbaugh Joseph, who they cut. Their defense is decimated. Anthony Harris got the franchise tag, but it sounds like, according to reporting from Ian Rappaport, that their intention is to move on from him, to get draft picks. So who plays for the Vikings right now? Are they even the second-best team in the division a year after they were a playoff team and a team that went on the road and won a playoff game, a team that felt like they were in the mix to be an NFC contender, a team that a lot of observers and analysts and fans said was better than the Packers last year. Where Well, they are objectively worse right now. You lose players left and right that are that good, and you extend Kirk Cousins, who is now your franchise for the next three years with a coach who doesn't want to throw the ball a lot, who wants to run the ball more, well, now your defense is taking a hit. We don't know who's going to play cornerback for them. They already cut Xavier Rhodes. So what? Your, your plan is Mike Hughes, who's played one season, and Holton Hill, who's an undrafted free agent. That's, that's it. You don't really have a safety next to Harrison Smith. You don't have interior defenders who you trust. And you don't have a pass rusher opposite Daniel Hunter to compliment him. So if you're going to be a defense run team team, then the digs tr- t- trade in some ways makes sense. But the, the decisions on defense to decimate this unit doesn't make any sense. And this is what happens when you manage the cap poorly. It's also what happens when you just manage your team building poorly. They, do, they don't have a good offensive line. They don't have an elite quarterback. They got lucky with some of their receiver choices on, you know, in the in the second and third days of the draft. But Laquan Treadwell, huge bust. They've had some big misses that have held them back. The the demise of Xavier Rhodes has been a big problem for them. And so, where do the Vikings go from here? I mean, the Lions get Matthew Stafford back. They're adding players to at least supplement their roster. Do I do I think that some of them have been good moves? I don't I don't really know. I think they actually downgraded with their offensive line exchange. I think the Packers have the better linemen of the of Rick Wagner and and Big V from from Philadelphia. So, I don't I don't know that that makes them better, but the the quarterback I trust of those two is Matthew Stafford easily. And, you know, if if this is a situation where, you know, they're going to try and bring in some some defensive players, they've got the high draft pick, they could bring in Jeff Okuda, maybe they get a high pick for Darius Slay, maybe they keep Darius Slay. It could be the case that the Vikings aren't even the third best team in the NFC North right now. And speaking of the team we thought was the third best team, Robert Quinn signs a five-year, $70 million deal with the Chicago Bears, $30 million in guaranteed money, and that number floored me. It floored me because 
Robert Quinn had a great season last year, okay? And, and that's great. He was awesome for the Cowboys, playing opposite Demarcus Lawrence, playing on what was really a very talented Cowboys defense. But before he did that, before he was in Dallas, you know, he had 11 and a half sacks last year. Well, in 2018, six and a half sacks in Miami, and they cut bait. In LA, eight and a half sacks in 2017, but they cut bait. And for the two years before that, he struggled to stay on the field, struggled to make an impact. Early in his career, his trajectory was one of the best pass rushers in the league. 2012, 2013, 2014, he was a stud in the NFL. And just in the middle of his career, kind of faded in and out of relevance for his for, for a number of teams. He's going to turn 30 in May. And the Bears just gave him a five-year, $70 million deal, $14 million a year for a 30-year-old pass rusher. And I had some Bears fans push back and say, oh, well, you know, they're not like running backs. You can be a good pass rusher in your 30s. You can if you were an all-time great, if you're one of the greats of your generation. Yeah, Reggie White did it. Cool. Bruce Smith did it. Great. Cam Wake did it. Jared Allen did it. I hate to break it to the Bears fans. Robert Quinn is not that guy. And he is someone who has had injury problems in his career. So to pay that much. Now, he's basically replacing Leonard Floyd, who they had to cut. And he was going to get $13 million on the fifth year of his rookie deal this year. He could be someone Green Bay could have some interest in if he wants a one-year prove-it deal to go out and, and compete and and give them some some package juice. I, my guess is he's going to get he's going to get paid from someone who liked him coming out and thinks that there is potential based on what he was as a rookie or whatever it is. He's probably a, a three four outside linebacker, so you know the Packers have some familiarity with him. There's an intuitive match there, but there are probably other teams who would covet him more, who would be able to start him, and who would pay him starter money. That's probably not Green Bay, but for the Bears. I had a, a Bears fan friend text me that this deal reeks of desperation. And that's exactly right. This is $30 million guaranteed. So it's really a three-year deal, not a five-year deal. But it's for the age 30, age 31, and age 32 seasons of a guy who is coming off a career year and you're paying him at the top of his market. That is not the time you want to be paying guys. You want to try and pay someone when their value is maybe at their lowest, but at something lower than all-time high. Now, the Packers, they got ahead of someone like Zadarius Smith. They thought he was going to be awesome, and they paid him like he was awesome. Now, he's a 27-year-old player who's still ascending, who just needed an opportunity in their mind, and he showed why. We know what Robert Quinn is, we know what he's been. And, and he can be a better complimentary pass rusher, especially in 2020, than Leonard Floyd would have been opposite Khalil Mack. The Bears still have questions. Haha Clinton Dix is a free agent. Prince Amukamara is a free agent. And their secondary is not deep. So they have Eddie Jackson, that's great. Kyle Fuller regressed last year from a career year two years ago when this defense was all-time good. If only someone had been there to let them know and let Bears fans get get a little heads up that regression was coming. If only someone could have told them that. I don't know who that person could have been, but I wish there had been someone there 
who had done that. So what position are the Bears in now? This is a little bit of a desperate move to try and, and reinforce a defense that slipped a little bit last year. They were so good. The Bears were still a good defense last year. They did slip. And it's, it's possible that they continue to slip because Danny Trevathan is, is only getting older. Akeem Hicks is getting older. He's got a lot of mileage on him, and he's had some injury issues in the past. Khalil Mack has got miles on him because of how often he faces double teams, because of how much attention teams pay to him. So is this defense going to be even as good as it was last year in 2020? That's a good question. And we still don't know who the quarterback is. Teddy Bridgewater is going to Carolina. Tom Brady is going to Tampa Bay. Cam Newton could still be an option, though that's that's a big money allocation for this team with limited resources. Now, he's in the final year of his deal, so maybe you can extend. He's going to want to get extended. That's the other thing. If you trade for Cam Newton, he's not going to want to play on this contract. He's going to want a new deal. You know, he's only getting $18.6 million in base salary this year. When you're getting Nick Foles money and you're a former MVP of the league, still theoretically in your physical prime, you're going to want an upgrade. So any team that trades for Cam is going to have to give him a new contract and I, I just don't know if the Bears are in a position financially to do that. So they're looking at Andy Dalton. Marcus Mariota went to Oakland, which is now Las Vegas. Maybe. We'll see. There's a lot of things still up in the air because, from what I understand, that stadium isn't done. And with a lot of construction being halted around the country, it's it's not a done deal that everything gets in place by the time that they have to play games. So we'll see if they're still the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, I'm sure they have backup plans and all kinds of other things in place here. But the the point is, Marcus Mariota is a Raider, so he's no longer an option for the Bears. And that that puts a strain on the market. It means the, the Bears could have to give up more for Andy Dalton because, look, the Patriots could be interested. And and this market is, con, is contracting. Could Jameis Winston be a guy? I mean, LOL. So there, there's a lot still at play for the Bears. This offseason, even though the Packers have not done a lot to make the team significantly better, they have not gotten significantly worse, and I'm not sure any other team in the NFC North can say that. All right, I want to finish up here with a discussion about uh, Kenny Clark because there are a couple deals that have set the market for Clark. And we talked yesterday about the DeForest Buckner deal and him getting 20 plus million a year and, and how Kenny Clark could be wanting that kind of money. I don't think he's going to get it. And we saw on Tuesday the reasons why. Javon Hargrave set the market uh, when he got a $13 million APY deal. That was top of market for a nose tackle in the NFL. DJ Reader broke it shortly thereafter, $13.25 million as the top-of-market nose tackle in the NFL. Kenny Clark is a nose tackle. He is not a pass-rushing three-technique like DeForest Buckner. Now, I think you can make the case that Kenny Clark is as disruptive as any interior player in the league not named Aaron Donald. The pro football focus numbers back that up. The pressure numbers back that up. He is a very disruptive interior player. Is he on the DeForest Buckner level? I I don't know, and I don't think most observers think he is. Maybe that's being uncharitable to Kenny Clark. He's also a young player. He's also still only 24 years old. So you're paying for future production. You're paying for what he can be, what he could potentially become. And there's value there too. He's going to get more than $13 million. 
Now, Bill Huber reported in SI Maven that the Packers' expectations are we you play out free agency and you see where you stand and then you get the deal done with Kenny Clark. They want to get a deal done. They expect to get a deal done. And they're they're possibly going to have plenty of time to do that because OTAs are being pushed back, mini camps are being pushed back, all that stuff. There's not going to be team activities. So there's going to be time for players to to not say, "Oh, I'm just I'm worried about, you know, doing what I can on the field." Well, you're not doing anything on the field. So Russ Ball can talk to your agent and we don't have to worry about this. The Packers are going to want to get a deal done. My guess is we're going to get to 15 at least with Clark. The Packers are going to offer 15 plus. Are they going to get to 17 to 18? 20 feels like a pipe dream. I don't think, you know, there's a there's a way that that Clark's agents can say, you know, we deserve as much as Amari Cooper just got. You know, you're going to give them some four-year $80 million deal. I don't see that. Um, the way you would do it is you'd add guarantees and, and you'd get a bunch more upfront money in the signing bonus, and, and you could do it that way. Depending on the Packers cap situation, they may need some money. And there are still fish out there. You know, I mentioned the Robert Woods trade. If you if you cut Lane Taylor, you can get to the Woods number pretty easily and still have plenty of money for in-season moves. You restructure a Kenny Clark deal. You lower his 2020 number. You give yourself an even bigger cushion. These are all options that the Packers have. The market is now set. And I, he's going to land somewhere between 13 and 21. My guess, right in the middle. I mean, split the difference. 16, 16 and a half, 17. I think that makes a lot of sense, and it's a, it's a workable number for the Packers with the cap going up in 2020. It's set to explode in 2021, and the Packers do not have a ton of cap allocations moving forward. They're going to have to redo Devontae Adams' deal soon. They're going to have to extend David Bakhtiari soon. So all of these things come into play. You, you, you prioritize, I think, Adams and Bakhtiari just because of their ability to impact games on a regular basis. But this Kenny Clark deal is something that I think that the Packers have sort of one eye on as they're doing all of their free agent due diligence and as we look toward the draft. All right, we're going to be back tomorrow. Same structure for tomorrow. And then I think we'll go, you know, Thursday morning, Friday morning uh, with our analysis of what's going on. So much more to get to. I mean, I, I felt like we could have had three more topics. I felt like the show could have been an hour. And I just don't want to do that. I want to be respectful of your time, even though I know a lot of you have a lot more time these days. I hope everyone is staying safe. You're practicing your social distancing. You're staying inside if you can avoid it. Go to your local restaurants for delivery, for pickup, uh, and, and, and be a patron for them. Help them because they need the help. And let them help you. You don't need to cook. You don't need that stress all the time. So let them make you a delicious meal and, and pay them for that. That's how commerce works, and that's how we support these local businesses. So keep that up and support each other. Help each other understand the gravity of this situation that, that yeah, we, we want to seem like this was an overreaction because we flattened the curve and we stopped the spread here. So do your part, young people, old people. Make sure everyone is doing their part to stop this virus. All right, we're going to be back tomorrow and a lot more to get to. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers. Locked on Packers.